All right. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to another Learning Tech Talks where we are exploring the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff and getting the questions answered you need answered. Today's going to be a fun one. I say that, I think, every episode, but <laughs> they really are a lot of fun. And so today I'm joined by Guy Selwood and David Barone, and we're going to be talking about onboarding. And actually, we're going to spend some time actually demystifying that because even in our before we hit the live button here, we talked about some of the discrepancies and lack of kind of universal understanding of what we mean when we talk about onboarding. So this is going to be a really fun one. Um, thanks all of you for joining in. And if you would, just to make this a little bit fun and interactive, let us know where you are in the world today. So go ahead and comment in and let's 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 play along as well. So Guy, I'm going to go clockwise and we're going to start with you. Guy, where are you today? So I'm in uh, London, UK, just just to the west of London. Uh, probably okay. people would know Hampton Court, not far from Hampton okay. Court. All right. Well, you know what? We've got a fair amount of folks that join from from the UK, so that will probably be familiar territory for many. All right. So David, how about you? Uh West, outside of Philly, the west side, actually very close to the Delaware state line. And not everyone knows, like, the state of Delaware is actually almost a suburb of Philly, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> it's about the size of a suburb of Philly as well. So, oh, wait, no, I'm, I might be getting my states wrong. Yeah, I'm getting my states wrong. Yeah, you're, anyway. you're thinking Rhode Island. You're thinking Rhode Island. I'm thinking Rhode Island. I know, yes. Here's my geography. Delaware could beat up Rhode Island, I think. <laughs> Delaware is like the big brother that, yes, could totally beat up Rhode Island. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Well, and I'm in Milwaukee, Waukesha specifically here, Western suburb, as always. Uh, so let's also then, let's let's have a little bit of fun. Let's have a little bit of fun into this one. And uh, I'm going to reverse the order, but everybody, you can play along as well. So David, if I made you sing karaoke... And by the way, do you say karaoke or karaoke? Because this is a polarizing topic. Oh, it's karaoke. Um, karaoke. All right. All right. And what song would you pick? Well, I guess, you know, as you know, I have a bunch of kids and I'm about two or three years behind them. So when I start playing a song, they're like, yeah, that song's so old. But lately I've been playing um, Saturday Sun by Vance Joy. So that's kind of a. You know, my kids were playing it, and I kind of just caught up. Oh, it's Saturday, son. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, a told you I wasn't going to make you sing it, but well, you I, I wanted to beat you anything. to it. I wanted to beat you okay. to it. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess it's better to get in front of it than to have me just call you out on it. Okay. That's exactly. what's funny is bringing up the kids thing. So, you know, we both joke about the fact we've both got like loads of kids, and it's just chaos. But I listen to music all the time. And my kids have actually gotten so used to it that they just think that is normal, you know, for them. So they, they're listening to like 70s classic rock and Linkin Park and this. Other, and they're just like, that's, you know, daddy's music, which is theirs now. So teaching yeah. them, teaching them the good stuff. Well, my kids say, oh, do, I, do, I, do I put on the dad's playlist? So they'll play like some kind of like <laughs> 80s kind of soft punk kind of new wave stuff so they've kind of i've embedded in their brains over the years it's pretty fun there you go there you go well good things to embed with them all right so how about you guy if i were to if i were to make you sing what would you sing for us well i can i can tell you from experience that uh, i was i was you know in a karaoke bar one time and i and i went up and i said yeah i'm going to sing angels by robbie williams and and the reason i said i'd do this is because i thought it was really simple i thought it was like two lines to to, to the song and i remember getting up there and about Ooh, 20 seconds in, I don't remember this bit. 
Oh, where did this bit come from? <laughs> like, like, this is way more complicated than I think. So, uh, so more recently, uh, talking of kids, uh, my youngest is a singer, dancer, actor, whatever, and she's got a little karaoke machine, and she fed me a few porn star martinis. And we ended up singing some Stevie Wonder. That's a that's that's a good that's good karaoke territory in my experience. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So for both of you, does it take a little liquid courage to get into that, or could <laughs> could we just literally put you on stage and you would just go with it? I, I got to drink a little bit of personality before I get up there. A okay. little bit of personality. Okay. All right. So for mine, um, you know, I used to. I don't anymore, mainly because I don't have time to go do this kind of stuff. But with a little bit of personality, I'll I'll do it. And I used to always, I actually used to keep, I would, this is how dorky I am. I would bring a harmonica just in case karaoke came up because I can play the Billy Joel Piano Man song and on, on the harmonica. And it was always fun to do that because that's one of those songs when you start singing, you know, sing us a song, you know, the piano mat, like everybody's just like, boom, they're just into it. And that to me was the most fun part. Like I didn't care about me singing. It was more the fact that, you know, everybody in the crowd's rocking and singing along. So anyway, that would be, that would be mine, but it would take, it would take a little bit to get me doing it. And I will definitely not bust into it in the morning with my gravelly throat uh, on, on learning tech talks. Cause we'll just lose all the viewers. The viewers yeah. will just be like, <laughs> well, hey, Chris, Chris, you know, little plug here. Uh, I bought a karaoke mic that hooks up to your phone. Okay. Like 30 bucks. I'm telling you, you break that out at a party, people will start singing karaoke. It's, it's a good call. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. I'm going to have to find my harmonica and then bring it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. And then one last update for those of you watching, and then we'll get into the discussion. If you have not, already. I would love to continue the conversation with all of you. So feel free to join the Learning Sharks community where we just continue these conversations. Doesn't matter what walk of L&D you're coming from, um, but it's just a great place where we take the conversation further and just answer questions. So it's community.learningsharks.com. Love to see you there. All right, so let's transition this conversation a little bit over into the topic at hand, which is onboarding. I almost blanked on that. That would have been, that would have been here. I'm like so caught up in karaoke that we would have been like, what? <laughs> um, but so we're talking about onboarding, but that isn't necessarily both your backgrounds. So tell me a little bit about your backgrounds. And I, I know, but not everybody does how the two of you ended up connecting. So guy, why don't we start with you on this was, you know, kid selling lemonade and you went, you know what, someday I'm going to create an onboarding app or how did that end up happening? Yeah. So, so for me, uh, I, I probably am one of those people who dreamed of doing what I do. I'm very, very privileged. I, I started my career in the, in, in what we call the health service here. Um, we have a nationalized health service and I was working in that field in um, health education in my, my first job as a graduate <clears throat> out of college, as you would call it. And I went on a leadership development program for two weeks and we did all sorts of things and I just loved it I just thought this is the business and then probably about three or four years later I uh, I got chatting to some guys I played five-a-side football with and they ran a small consulting firm and uh, it just happened that I was looking for some new work and I got engaged with them around about 93 uh, as a consultant and uh so I started off doing training delivery, facilitation, you know, then designing programs and that kind of thing. And uh, I've been with ProCell since, yeah, since 93. But I think 
the thing that's always engaged me in what I do is that we're a consulting firm primarily. We, we, we take business challenges from our clients, very often in the sales field, a customer experience field. And then we design solutions that can incorporate face-to-face training. It can, can incorporate, obviously, now more, more likely virtual training over Zoom or something. Um, but we'll also bring some tech. We'll also bring some coaching. And one of the big things is about building a legacy. So we do a lot of work around operational leaders being effective as coaches. And the piece we often do differently is that we work on what to coach. What's the model of behavior that you're, you're trying to engender in the people you work with in terms of a sales okay. or a customer service community? And then how do you do that? How do you bring that about through a coaching process? And so we then evaluate. We look at then, well, what's the impact on the, on the learning? So what's the behavioral change? But we also then look at the impact on the business. And we've been doing that for a long time. A lot of people talk about it these days, but okay. we have a track history in that space. And... Dave and I met. Um, um, we were working at Comcast. Uh, very privileged to work with them since 2010, and we were working on a big frontline leadership coaching program. And uh, I got a call from these guys in the Business Services College to start doing a bit of that work. And then out of that spawned this onboarding opportunity with their with their sales community. Okay. So yeah, that's that's how we got to meet. Okay. Okay. So the space has been something you've always wanted to be in, but the actual designing of the app, it wasn't like, you know what, I want to go create a SaaS and that's the goal. It just grew out of this project where you're just working yeah. together and saying, you know what, I think we, we need something that specifically focuses on this. Okay. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, I, I, you know, I'm very proud of what we've developed, but, but one of the reasons I'm proud of what we developed uh, with Dave and his team and, 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 and others along the way is it is led by by customer requirements. It's it's very much designed with with the customer in mind. No, you're right. We didn't just go. We've got a great idea here. Let's put some technology together. We actually built it to serve the needs of, of Dave and his team, and then okay. consequently, we have other customers on board. We uh, we take their ideas and we and we develop other features and capabilities to to suit the the needs that people have. So okay. for me, it's a classic uh, you know kind of needs delivered uh, solution. Got it. Got it. Well, let's, so let's, so now we know how the two of you connected. And then, so David, let's bring this in because you, you, you come on from the practitioner side and now you're, you're kind of teaming up and helping figure this piece out. So a little bit about your background and then we kind of know how the connection happened, but what are you doing now? Yeah. So my background, actually, I'm an electrical engineer. I spent my first probably six, seven years at a nuclear power plant working for Exelon electric utility anti-seize, yellow suits, the whole nine yards. And um, worked at, did a lot of operational work, metering operations, large account services. And then Exelon said, hey, we're offering a package that people want to leave. And I said, oh, is it voluntary? They said, no, 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 we're going to pick you. I said, well, I want to volunteer. And the lady goes to me, don't you have five kids? I'm like, yeah. Do you have a a job? I said, no. She goes, have you talked to your wife? I said, well, well, I was going to tonight. And she's like... Uh, uh, why don't you go home and talk to your wife? So, and as you probably know, we are not kid, letting you go right now. I don't think you're thinking straight. <laughs> as a matter of fact, go down the hall for the testing. But um, next thing you know, I broke into karaoke. But um, yeah, no. But um, what was kind of interesting about it is, you know, I had a bunch of kids, and it's like, do I want to work at the same company my whole life? What do I want to teach yeah. my kids? I'm telling them to take chances. So I left there. Someone at Comcast called me and said, "Hey, we're starting up this Comcast business." want to get involved? I said, sure. I went over there, did some operational stuff. And then I got called by the CLO and she said, Hey, do you want to run business service college or Comcast business college? And the funny thing was I got a call from L and D. And the first thing I thought about at electric utilities, 
you go teach when you're too old to climb poles. So I'm, I'm sitting there going, this is like retirement. I'm like, I'm going to L and D to retire. And then I realized L and D drives people to retirement is what really happens. Right. So I did that Comcast business college, uh, met up with guy. I also ran innovation for all of Comcast university, uh, left there late last year. And I've been doing some consulting. Most recently, I've been helping Josh Burson do a couple things. So, okay. I mean, just looking looking for the next totally. adventure. Well, yeah. it's funny you come from the you know the, the business side of things. And while I've always been in learning and development, um, you know, I always was in more of an operational function until my most recent role. Now I'm now I'm in HR. But yeah, it's it's just a different perspective that you bring to it. So I just the story made me laugh though because I'm just picturing you thinking like you know the old racehorse where you're like wow. You're just telling me I'm time for me to retire, I guess. If you're like, yeah, you know, you know, you're doing great, but why don't you come over to L and D and teach the new kids? Teach the new kids. How's that sound to you? Well, it's funny. Maybe it's my engineer background, but someone's like, oh, L and D, you're an HR, and I'm always like, no, no, I'm not an HR. I'm L and D because I'm not an yeah. HR person, you know. So I'm an L and D okay. technologist, I guess, or architect, if you want to call it. All right. Well, so let's, I'm going to try something new because based on some of the feedback I got from some of my community members, they said, you know what, it'd be great if there was a specific section where you just spent a few minutes showing the product. Because I think for a lot of people, they hear these conversations, they go, I get it. Conceptually, it makes sense. But what does that look like? What does that look like? So we're not going to sit and go deep into a hardcore demo or anything like that. But now we've talked about, so there was this problem that you were both mulling around going, man, we need to do something about it. Now that's translated over into a technical solution. So let's just spend, well, I need to come up with a clever name for it, but I'm trying to remember what the person in the community said. I think they said like like lightning demo or something really- Lightning catchy. round, maybe lightning round. Yeah, lightning round. round. Like we'll come that up sounds with something good. real fun. I don't, I don't have a cool one. <laughs> like you need some noise background, like, <laughs> like a lightning another pole. video that I can queue up midstream that just kind of like boom, comes in and does it. But anyway, enough about that, or we'll just get distracted with that. But let's let's talk about this because we talked about this pain point in and before we do, I think one of the big things that we can talk about is and let me let me flip back to this. See, I I told you this was going to happen. But we really want to <laughs> You get all excited. I know I did. But the thing we really want to distinguish between this is I think a lot of times when people think onboarding, they're thinking orientation. A lot of times people hear onboarding, they think of that that first day or first couple days where you come make people sit in a room and you make them fill out an I-9 and maybe you go through some of the corporate values or some of the general things, paperwork, get them signed up for benefits. And then you kind of like shoo them out the door and say, all right, good, you know, good job, good luck, bye, you know, welcome to the company. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about onboarding. That, that to me, and I actually have a really clear delineation, there's orientation and there's onboarding. And onboarding is that sustainable like we're actually tracking you through into the organization and actually helping grow the skills and things you need to be successful in a role and that doesn't end in a couple days or even honestly a couple weeks i mean this takes a while to get somebody oriented is that is that fair yeah totally fair chris and you know we 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 took it a maybe another step on which is it's about capability building you know it's about yeah. building someone's skill sets in the role. So Dave talked about, you know, sales and customer service teams. 
you know, they're, they're not roles that, that people do based just on their knowledge set. They, they have to be able to articulate. They have to be able to negotiate. They have to be able to influence. They have to be able to do, do skills, skills, which are capabilities. And yeah. I think this was one of the things that we set out early on was that you had this group of, and Dave can give the detail, but, you know, sales community out right across the United States in their very often starting out in their home offices um, and they had to build capability. They had to, to go and talk to customers about the products, yes, and they had to be able to articulate the solution, why the product was good for the customer in the particular circumstances they're in, in their businesses and so on. And they had to do that remotely. Um, and there were some other, other sort of tensions in there. Is that right, Dave, around time to support people's capability building with, with managers and that kind of thing? Most definitely. And just to talk about the, the onboarding piece. So Comcast, is, as I told you before, 25,000 frontline employees are on board every year. Um, when you're a cable technician, you didn't go to college for cable technician-ology. You came in and you say, Comcast, <laughs> teach me how to do my job. So, yes. I mean, a technician, I mean, a customer service rep, I mean, people, people in Comcast territories might argue differently, but a customer service rep gets about six weeks of training before they do their job. They have to know the products. Yeah. They have to know how to reset modems. So we used to have orientation where we had the Comcast founders video, you know, in 1953, and that was orientation. But onboarding was how to do your job. That's where me and Guy got together and said, you know what, this telling them how to do their job is great, but seeing them demonstrate the skills is where we want to get to. Actually enabling them to do it. And again, again I think it's it's easy to kind of go one direction or the other. And really, it's, a, it's about blending the two together where you say, look, is it important to introduce people to the company values and what you're doing and really set that... Absolutely. Like we're not saying that's not important. We're not saying it's not valuable to make sure their computer works and that they know how to get into the systems. And those are all really good things. But then once they move on, they need that ongoing support because especially, especially like you're talking about, David, in certain roles where it's like it's a very tactical type of role where people need to know how to do this. But even in knowledge worker roles, oftentimes there's still components of things that sometimes we just dump the fire hose on them and you know we just open up the floodgates in the LMS and say, here's 3,700 modules that you're gonna need to complete in the first 90 days. And it just leaves people going like, I don't even know what to do with all of this. Like, how, how are we gonna get there? And I think that's what we're talking about is how do you streamline this? So to make it really fun, check this out, right? We're gonna go to the lightning demo <laughs> oh, piece of it, right? Yeah, like that's the my hair's gonna stand yeah. up, and yeah. that's right, that's right. So it's it, a little bit. Go for it, it. Chris. One thing on that is, um, what we also saw is, as you talk about it, at Comcast we used to call it boarding school. They would say, "Let's ship yeah. our people over to Comcast University, and they'll come back ready to roll." And then the manager would be like, "Hi, I'm Joe. What's your name? I'd like to introduce myself." And we said, "It can't work that way." You need that seamless transition. So you need the managers engaged in that onboarding. So when they come out of onboarding, it's a continuation, not a start over. Because you know what they teach you in skill, what they teach you in training. Let me show you how we really do Let it. Let me show it. you how it really works. Yeah, yep. exactly. And the goal was really to try to avoid that. That was another piece we were kind of working through because we thought that really would have a big impact on attrition. Okay. So. so it's an important point. Like we said, we're going to continue the dialogue about what makes this all really well. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll shift over to the exciting yes. portion of this piece. So let's take a look at it. So tell tell me a little bit about what we're looking at, and then I'm like I said, I'm I'm warning you, I'm probably going to ask follow up questions. But let's spend a few minutes at least visualizing this for people so they can see what we're talking about in terms of supporting this process. 
Okay, so what we have here, Chris, is a kind of login page, home page for okay. a, a new hire. Okay, so uh, and this is just our demo site, so it's got all sorts of things in it. But um, you have a, a briefing here, which people can fill out for the role, and and each, I guess, kind of role has their own program. So you just talked about too many too many assets to look for. Some of the feedback we got really early on was, I want everything in one place. I just want to go somewhere that's going to give me what I need for my role and what I need to do. So Specific to onboarding, correct? Yeah, totally. First 90 days, okay. first 120 days, whatever. <clears throat> and so what we build out is, a, is really straightforward in many respects, but you have sections and activities. Now, the key thing about our platform is it's very versatile. So you can put in just text activities, which just inform or maybe send people on a link. Uh, okay. We can connect up to e-learning assets from an e-learning author site, you know, an Adobe site or whatever. Um, we can use forms to drive um, checklists or that kind of thing. And so these are all gated. Like, if I'm understanding right, like these, these you can, basically yeah. blowouts that we're talking about, you're, you're actually yeah. gating the experience into, hey, this is the flow. Because going back to something we talked about before, this is honestly one of the things you hear from employees all the time yeah. is the fact that I'm just not quite sure where to start or what I should do next. So the purpose I'm assuming of this is to actually then say, well, here is the order. This is what to yeah, follow. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and I know I know Dave and I and, and others have kicked this one around to what degree do you kind of make it self-directed and which degree do you do direct. And we use a thing called, as you said, gating, where you can shut these sections off and have prerequisites that need to be completed. Okay. And certainly in the first iteration we built, they had to complete their first week and that had to be signed off by their by their manager. So this is the participant view. But let okay. me just bring in this view, this, this sorry, this view, is the manager view. So our manager is connected to our individual participant through the, okay. through the platform. So what I'm seeing here is who I'm connected to, who are all my new hires that I'm, I'm accountable for or responsible for, and how do I kind of keep a track on their progress through the, through the platform, uh, through their program, and so on. So what we were very keen so to what, bring One thing about. I'm curious about, because I like yeah. this, we talked about, I told you I was going to do this. There you um, the, the part that we talked about that you mentioned was one of the things when you were digging into this was the, the need to kind of separate it from the other noise, hmm. which I have to imagine there's probably debate on both sides of this in terms of like, well, no, we want it to feel like perfectly seamless in and mixed in with everything else. But what's interesting about your point, and it's, it's kind of got me thinking about this a little bit, is when somebody's new to a role or the organization, like, <laughs> and being new to an organization, I joined an organization a few months ago. It's a very overwhelming time because you're getting hit with a lot of different things. So that intentional decision to kind of say, hey, we're actually separating onboarding from all the other noise. So that was an intentional decision to say, no, this is a this is a separate experience from all the other stuff that you're dealing with right now. Is that is that accurate? Well, again, one thing I'd say is so we use it a couple different ways, right? This portal's used for like care new hire, where it's 40 hours a week, five weeks. You go through the whole thing, and this is what you're doing. For our sales one that we're going to talk about, it was more about six, eight hours a week. While you're kind of, I don't say learning the flow of work probably a little over, okay. overused, but while you're doing your things and meeting people and doing that, you've also got your responsibility to go in the portal and do eight hours a week. So we've done it two different ways where it's consumes a whole week or it's almost like 
not say filler work, but works within, you know, the, the confines of what you're already doing. Okay. Got it. Got it. And so then the manager side of it, going back to what we talked about before of the importance of, and this, this does happen a lot where a lot of times you'll see managers and anybody who's done onboarding, you've probably had this conversation where it's like, well, can't you just send them to me when they're done? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, can't you just send me them when they're, they're ready? And it's like, no, (laughs) just, just insert the chip, insert the chip and then send them over, you know? Right. And it's like, no, the answer to that is no, you need to play. Yes, there are things we can own. And yes, there are components of this that we can be responsible for and, and structuring and driving it. And and I again, I've seen debates on both sides where it's like, well, we can't control onboarding. Well, there's more responsibility that we can take that we don't always take. But on the flip side, you can't swing the other way to what I think the managers ideally would like, which is just call me when they're done. Just call me when they're done, and then I'll I'll move on to that kind of a thing. But but you must okay. also have seen that scenario. You know, people do, you know, sixty days, you know, with with the training team. You know, and they they do that orientation to the company, and then they kind of go through a whole bunch of of, of capability development. They do their role plays, and then they arrive in their in their role, and you know, all too often I hear people say, "Yeah, but then I had to teach them how it really is." You know, there's this kind of there's this kind of idea that somehow the training room is not the same as the as the as the workplace. So I think what we were trying to do with this was 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 bring a blend a more blend to that. So so a, a degree sure. of the learning is done online, and some of it was done in boot camp, which I'm sure Dave will talk about in in class. But actually, a lot of it was done through one to ones, through what what the, the guys at Comcast are called a ride along. You know, people get observed okay. and get feedback on how they're doing the job. And you know, we you know, when it was any great surprise to you. <laughs> as a coaching and, and, and training consulting, feedback for us is, 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 is the real gold. You know? And if you can okay. facilitate feedback to people about how they're doing and what they do from those that, that look after them, that, that work with them, so it might be subject matter experts, it might be coaches, it might be managers, people grow really quick. You know? yeah, the, it's, the, the, it's, trick, the, the trick was we wanted to do it in the platform so we could hmm. measure the okay. whole thing. So, yeah, I had a meeting with this guy. And it, well, let's put feedback in the platform so we can make sure it's happening and that, you know, not turn into the Gestapo, but we want to make sure that managers are doing their jobs because we found out very clearly that managers that do their job get less, less attrition from their workforce. Well, and that actually brings up a good point and, and we'll go, I actually want to bring it back into the feed because one of the things, you know, Deborah brought up a, a comment, which I think this will dig into it a little bit is that at first glance, you might say, okay, so this is kind of like learning paths which you can structure in maybe an LMS or maybe a a piece of learning tech that we have today. It may look very familiar to that. But what we're talking about right now, and again, I'm curious how the technology is helping enable this is a lot of times those learning paths are very just push driven. You know, it's, it's a structure of content that is very, okay, do this and then watch this and then read this and then do this. It's a very push down. But what we're talking about more is kind of more of this collaboration. And there, there are things outside of that that we may not control. As the example you said, David, you know, there, there might be a meeting. So tell me a little bit about on the tech side where it's how, how you're kind of differentiating from, okay, well, we, we could create pathways in an LMS. So I think, I think there's probably a couple of things we would say differently. I, and I, I concur. You can build pathways in LMS. We, I, I understand that, uh, at that point. Um, so... 
really, I think one of the key things we we tried to do is this is this engagement piece. Yeah. So okay. how do you how do you get greater engagement and traction between your new hire and the person? Really, that's the most important person to them in those first 90 days, 120 days. Probably you could argue in the time with that company, which is their first line manager, the person who actually is accountable yeah. for their performance. So, so in this particular case, this activity here, um, so my colleague uh, Rob has, has uploaded um, a video of him uh, having uh, you know, learning how to do something. So what he's, he's providing to me as the manager is some evidence of how he's doing a particular task. And yeah. what I then have to do is my responsibility is to actually share some feedback with him. Now, the, the trick with this is a lot of people say, how do, you, how do you get managers to give feedback? Well, it's not easy for anybody to give feedback if you don't know what you're giving feedback on or if there's no direction yeah. around that feedback. So what we provide is, a, is, you know, people build their own here. They build a template. So what, what are we asking? Okay, did they, did they do these things? Is there evidence of these things being done? What did they do well? So that's then yeah. that's then personalized or custom. Because again, I always get into customized versus yeah. um, uh, configurable, right? And totally. so this is actually totally. customized. The the organization would then say, "Hey, we don't have some generic vanilla template of like mm -hmm. this is the feed. You know what is the kind of feedback you need to give based on the tasks of these specific roles, and then you're creating these templates by." job role or whatever that is to say, we know this is the kind of feedback that you should be giving based on where these new hires are. Totally. And, okay. and, and you know, we've used you know, photographs, videos, people sometimes write up a diary or a, you know, these kinds of things, things about what, how they do what they do. So you okay. know, the sales team did a piece, you know, make a video of a pitch. You know, here's your scenario. You're going to go and see um, you know, the, the local pizza restaurant and they're having troubles with their website and, and this kind of thing. So tell us, how would you how would you kind of talk to them? Make a video of that. And there's okay. two things that go on. You know, the, the sales guy practices that process, goes through the thinking process. They upload the video. We ask them to feedback on themselves. Maybe they maybe there'd be some questions under the video. What did, what do you think you did well in that video? What do you so they're reflecting on it. Okay. And then somebody, maybe it's the coach, maybe it's like you can point it to whoever you want to point it to in your okay. organization, is then going to give you some some qualitative feedback about what. And, and what they can also say is, you know what, you, you can you can actually do it a bit better. Go, go around again. Have another crack at it. Okay. You know? okay. uh, or great job. Move on. Let's do the next one. You know? okay. um, and then let's set up for and when so they So from out. that feedback standpoint, because, again, this goes back to some of the, I think, the important points that we'll talk about this. See this lightning demo thing. I think it's tough because it's like you go back and forth. And anyway, it's fine. <laughs> people got a chance to see it, but yeah. and we have a cool GIF that they're GIF. I don't know. People will probably yell at me for saying it wrong. But let's keep it up because I think we're going to end up bouncing back and forth on this because I think this goes back to that manager feedback in the onboarding piece is such an important part. And I and I know that oftentimes we struggle with it. We 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 struggle with this part where you go. How do we get the managers to do it? <laughs> because they want us to just onboard them and let them know when we're done. We need them to do it. And if we do it all, then then how do we do this? And so my understanding is you can do a blend. And I think that's a really healthy piece of, okay, we can coach and develop on this so that we can help because there's nothing worse than you finally get that salesperson to record the video of their pitch they do it 
never hear anything. Like, Radio silence. Just, right? I mean, that just kills it for me. Hey, we have this great coaching program where you just upload this and then you put it there and you'll get great feedback. And they, you finally get the people who are like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And then well, something so, happens. They're never going to do it again. Chris, a little about that and not, not to go down a rabbit hole, but I mean, what we found out originally when we built this, we put together, we call it the naughty report, you know? Red, yellow, green, who's doing it, who's not. You ship it out to all the managers and half of them ignore it, half of them jump on it. But we also, eventually what we did is we created a Tableau dashboard. Actually, when you create a portal, it automatically uploads the dashboard. And one of the things was, and this is for more of the directors to see if their manager's doing their job. You could have a manager, it would see how many outstanding reviews he has, how long it's been sitting in his queue. So very quickly, we, you know, the reality is L&D can't be, can't get people to do a lot of things, but people's yep. managers and directors can. So we learned out real, we learned real quick that we need accurate dashboards to help people manage their direct reports to make them do their job. Because to your point, if they're not going to do it, it's very deflating for the for the learner. Okay. One thing about the feedback guy, um, we used it for our care class. It was kind of neat. So our customer care class, they go out and they take phone call. They listen to phone calls for four hours, and then in the afternoon they actually take phone calls for four hours. And that person they worked with was their peer and they're part of the portal. So what happened is after they did their four hours, the peer would give them feedback in the portal. Now they could have gave it to them verbally, but you know how the verbal goes. You're doing great. You did fine. So they can give them real descriptive feedback in the portal. We brought people back into the room after that. We couldn't teach. You know why? Because everyone was hitting refresh on the portal because they were just dying to see what See that what peer was. is going to tell them about how they did. Literally, we're like, hey, guys, they got like an hour, half hour to put it in. Just relax. Everyone just sit and refresh, refresh, because they want to hear what their peers are thinking about what they're doing. Well, so they, they you know what's interesting about feedback? I think this is one of the things that's and, – and I liked what you, what you showed, Guy, about the ability to customize that. Because a lot of times we tell people the importance of feedback – but, but kind of like saying onboarding, a lot of times people don't really know what that means. And they're like, so, so we are encouraging people. We're saying, give your new hires feedback. Make sure you give them feedback. Feedback is a get blah, blah, blah. And they're kind of like, uh, 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 you're doing great. Like that's I, the one good, yeah. good job. Good job. Yeah. yeah. And they don't know what to say. What could, because what do you say? Oh, terrible job you're the worst hire that you were a mistake like okay it's either that or great job thumbs up but that's not actionable for somebody to do something with and again providing that ability to say we know these are the kinds of things this so i'm, I'm assuming those templates then you can customize those by audience type so you can say we know oh, people absolutely. in this role are going to be doing this type of task and as a result of that this is the kind of feedback that you should be giving them so that you, you're, you're kind of helping them understand how to give feedback. And I would say people don't, they, they do struggle with that. They struggle with knowing how to do it. And if you do it well, you know, a lot of times people are like, people don't want to hear feedback. They don't want to hear bad feedback. And I don't mean bad, like negative, yeah. like they don't want to just deliver. hear the generic yeah. no. Great job, chap. Like, yeah. keep it or, up. Like, okay. Or unactionable. The word is probably unactionable. Exactly. They don't want unactionable exactly. feedback. They want to hear about, they walk out and go, and, what, what, so what am I doing differently now? I have no idea. He said, do this, this, and this. Now I'm totally confused and probably annoyed. Right. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. 
shift gears again. Is there anything else while we're kind of like semi lightning? Because there's a bunch of things I want to dive into, but I also want to, if there's anything <laughs> I, else I, I want to pull I think, up. I think the other piece I would love to bring in, I think your point about feedback is spot yeah. on about people don't sure how to, how to do it. And therefore they say people don't like it. Well, as you rightly say, if it's badly delivered, badly structured, not, not actionable, that's the challenge. So, so we're helping to make feedback easy for people. You know, and if you look at the look at the stats that Dave, Dave was talking about, you know, some of these some of these leaders in in back in the Comcast organization are giving, you know, four, five, six people a day, you know, activity feedback, you know, and, and some of them have done two, three thousand over a couple of years, you know. So so don't tell me you can't get managers engaged. You know, they 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 are absolutely in there. Um, but I think uh, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, Jeeps, Jeeps, Jeeps. Oh, yeah. Just no, put, no, 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 say no, some CV wonders. No, he's got it. He's got I'm it. Got it. I'm, got it. I'm back. I'm back okay. in the room. Okay. Was, was this capability building through feedback and the evidence, the engineering community got hold of this quite soon after Dave's uh, project. And okay. they, they, really, they really embraced it. And what, what happened for them? And I love this story, right? So, so they started out, if you want to go from a tech one, you know, like you, you do certain jobs, to a tech two, to a tech three, whatever, you, you take an exam, okay? It's normal practice. You know, you, you say, I'm, I'm ready, I'll take the exam. And it was a written exam. And they, they, they replaced that. They used the, the onboard platform to set out a succession process. So you want to be a tech two. What you now do is you prove capability of all the things that are required of a tech two. And when you've done that, you're eligible for a tech two. It doesn't mean you're more automatically a tech two. You probably still have to have an interview or something, but you move. Anyway, they moved well, we to- we built the capability. We have the capability. Yeah. They, they, they go down to South Florida and they talk to the engineers in South Florida. Those guys stood up and gave them a standing ovation. You know why? Because English for them was a second language. And when it came to an exam, they were not confident. That doesn't mean they weren't great engineers but they were less okay. confident in answering questions in a, in a written paper. You ask them to take photographs, make videos, all that kind of stuff to show their capability, they'll do that all day long. And, and so in terms of making opportunity available to people, particularly in those kind of roles where it's very much a kind of a physical skill-based role, yep. it was, I, I just thought it was fabulous, you know, that, that, that this gives a whole group of people uh, an opportunity to really demonstrate just how good they are, yeah. you know? Well, and I think that goes to this this measurement topic. I mean, we can kind of talk about this one a little bit too, because what we're talking about, and I and I'm a huge advocate of this in in pretty much anywhere, is is moving away from this. Not, not that you move away, because it's still an important piece, but we're we're over indexed on education, which is what you're talking about. Like, let's tell people how to do it. Let's let's fill their heads with the information, and then we'll test to see do they know it. And there's a difference between doing that and saying, well, just because you know it does not mean you know how to do it. And I think that's just such an important point. You know, you hear all this talk about upskilling and reskilling, and that's just it. A lot of times the approaches to upskilling are, well, let's educate people on it. And that's not solving the problem because that doesn't necessarily translate to do it. But I love the example you gave of, well, Passing a test may not be the best. I mean, I can think of a million people who are like, I'm terrible at tests. Like, this is not good for me. I know what to do. I could show you. I could walk you through it. Heck, I could I could be, you know, the old racehorse and come be the teacher and teach other people how to, like, I'm that good at it. But ask me to articulate this in written form. 
I just can't. It's not my it's not my strength. And I think what you're talking about here is saying, well, let's actually build an experience pathway to show it, to show it, yeah. to get feedback, to do this along the way so that I can actually demonstrate the skills that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. We actually changed our L&D build methodology after the portal came out because we started getting into this mantra of learn, practice, demonstrate. And, okay. and just a little bull back, to build a portal, you don't just jump in and start building, right? It's like um, when you try to build one of those books on one of those websites, you know, like uh, you, you can't just start building a book. You, you got to like organize. So we have an Excel spreadsheet. Here's the activities we're doing, blah, blah, blah. But we had a column for L, P, and D. We wanted to make sure when you're building training, yeah, there's a lot of learning in there, but we got to put in practice and ability to practice yep. and we got to put in demonstrate and you got to even that out. And it really got us thinking more about not really getting all that information into the portal, but how can we figure out a way to demonstrate a skill by utilizing the portal, get a sign off using pictures, videos, uh, one-on-ones, whatever that was. So it, it, it really made us think differently about how we built our training. Okay. So with the with the platform, because that's an important piece, and, and Lily brought this up, and, and it's an important one. Education plays an important piece. And I think sometimes it's easy. We, we Again, I, I always bring up this spectrum thing where it seems like sometimes we war one way or the other. Like education's bad, performance is good, vice versa. And it's like, no, I use, I use an equation where I'm like, it's part of a complex equation in learning hmm. that you have to have the different components. So how then are people accounting for that in there? Because I think that's one of the challenges of a lot of platforms is they're good at the education piece. I have a video I need to push to you. I have a I have a document I need to push you. I have a e-learning I need to push to you. But that application practice, things like that, the feedback is not always robust in being able to do that. And that is such a critical component to learning. So how is that being accounted for? Well, I, I think you're absolutely right, uh, Chris. It, it, it's not about, yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not sitting here and saying that there's other components that are not important. I mean, if you, if you want to flip up the screen here, I can just share with yep. you very quickly. But, you know, we have, we, have a, we have a quiz tool in here. So if you want to check in on people's understanding and knowledge about a topic, you can do that. You want to point them to some e-learning or you want to point them to some videos. You want to point them to some asynchronous type um, educative um, activities. Absolutely do that. And we would call that scaffolding. You know, it's, it's what Dave just said, you know. So let's let's maybe have a section where you learn stuff. Maybe then there's a section where you practice stuff. And maybe that's where you do some video-based role plays or you might do some some call-outs on, you know, with, 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 with a colleague or whatever. And then let's have a section where you demonstrate. So it's about we, we tried to build something here, which is covering off all of those modalities that are important in building capability. Yeah, of course, you know, what's that, you know, that, that great phrase, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. You've got to start somewhere, particularly with onboarding. So yeah, we can we can provide for the, the learning first, but let's work our way all the way through the capability cycle. Let's not stop at learning and say, okay, so you know how to do this, off you go. Let's support you as you translate that into practice and then translate that into actual performance delivery and, and, and work with you to keep refining it. You know, why, why stop at, I don't know, what, 60%? Why not go all the whole way? <laughs> you know, let's get, yeah, it, let's get the whole thing done. In one note, this is, I mean, the, you can develop some content in here as we talk about quizzes. That's and what I was, I was actually going to be one of my follow-up questions. Yeah, this is, not a content a- man- this is not a content management system. So just how we use it, you know, we use Inkling for our eBooks. We link to those. But we do that. We use um, Instilled or Kazo for our videos. We link to that. So, you know, 
we do something. And then for as far as practice, we're big on enable now. I mean, there's, there's tons of those dApps out there, but enable now allowed us to build sandboxes. So really that's the overlay. You can put quizzes in there. You can line up meetings. You can have them push videos back and forth and get feedback. But a lot of the content itself was built in th other other vendor stuff that we just linked to. And that was kind of the easiest way to do it because like I said, I mean, we talked about, should we add this? Should we add that? And next thing you know, you put so much stuff into your, into your platform that you've got no direction. Well, and, and I think the challenge with that, and I think this is one of the things that makes it often difficult for people to jump into it is you, you can't underestimate the effort of migrating or even just changing behavior of, okay, well, if this is how this stuff is, is created or where this stuff is hosted today, asking people to move the entire experience or transform it over into another place, that's that's a Herculean effort. Not only trying to find all the stuff that exists today, but the fact that if that's the natural process flow of how things are generated to go, hey, um, also, don't put it there anymore. Put it over here now. They're, they're still going to put it over there. Now you've got duplication issues, all sorts of different things. So sounds like there's some native capability to create if you need to, but really the goal is to say, hey, let's bring the complexity of these different things together into a meaningful experience pathway. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, yeah, and I think what I was trying to mention earlier and, 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 and maybe lost my, my track was, yeah, and then you can have the gateways, you know, at the end okay. of a section and you can get that leader, that manager or that coach to sign that off and say, you know, okay, you've, you've met all the prerequisites around the education process. Now let's move on to the practice process. You know, okay. we can we can verify you've done certain things and open it up. And, and certainly the early iterations, you know, it was almost on a timed basis. So your first week, these are the things you need to kind of get done. We will we'll diary manage for you in that first week of, you know, get this stuff done. At the end of the first week, you should know X, Y, Z. Second week, this is when you do, this is what you do. Third week, this is what you do. Fourth week, we consolidate. And now let's move out to a much more flexible approach because you've done all that prerequisite. Some of it will have been online. Some of it will have been in the workplace. Some of it might have been in a training classroom. But let's let's work with you to to help you out in that first few weeks and guide you to to a level of competence. And I think that point about is it about competence or is it about performance? Well, in my experience, part of belonging, you know, part of that process of actually becoming part of a business is believing that you're contributing. You know that yeah. that actually you're doing your part. You're you're pulling your weight and. You know, I, I've met very few people in my consulting career who, who don't want to do a good job. You know, no, I agree with you on that. 99% of people think, want to do a good job. Yeah. It really, it's such an important piece with this. And I think this is where the point about using this to help build confidence in your capability as a contributor to the organization is such a huge, such a huge factor. Because to your point, I mean, are there people out there who would be just happy to sit and be like, great, nobody cares I'm here. Like, I'm just going to enjoy it. And but that's not the norm. I mean, they exist. So we can't say, oh, that never happens. Sure it does. Sure it does. But that's the minority. The majority of people really, I mean, there's nothing worse, at least from my experience, there is nothing worse than being new to a company and going, I don't know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know if what I'm doing is good or bad. Like I really want, you obviously chose to come join this company for a reason. You desire to perform well, making sure that you give people opportunity to demonstrate and show that success. That's an engagement strategy right there. That's a retention strategy because what can happen and again, we, we talked about this before we came live. I mean, there are so many meaty metrics 
that you can easily tap into when it comes to onboarding and things like this so that you can kind of say, hey, we're losing people because they don't they don't feel that they're contributing. And they're like, I don't know. I thought this was going to be a great place I could come to and I could do this stuff. And it just doesn't really feel like I'm, I'm there. Yeah, and, and, and the stats are off the charts on that stuff. I'm sure you've seen them yourself, Chris. There's plenty of research out there. But, you know, like, um, you know, there was a piece of work done by um, uh, SRAM, you know, the Society of Human Resource Management. You know, 80% of people, you know, in this research, it's going back a few years, 2011, but they said, you know, 80% of people quit their jobs through lack of appreciation for what they're doing. Yep. You know, they, they don't, they don't, it's not, they're not even getting the pat on the back, maybe, you know, that, that, that encouragement you talked about, let alone, let alone some input to, to what they're doing or into or interest in what they're doing, you know, and um, that that's that's really key. I and mean, you, you talked earlier about the difference between orientation and onboarding. And I was thinking, you know, you know, it's like it's like you arrive at someone's house and someone takes you in in, in the front door and they say, oh, yeah, here's, here's, our, here's our living room and here's our kitchen and here's our, here's our bathroom. You know, um, I'll see you later. You know, that's orientation, isn't it? You know, as opposed to, <laughs> hey, come on in. Um, yeah, can I can I make you a drink? You know, would you like would you like to come and sit down in our living room? Well, let's see, you know, and, and and engage with people. You know, and that that's what we do when people come into our homes, don't we? I mean, I, I certainly like yeah. to think that I host, uh, you know, and I welcome people in, and 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 then hopefully people relax a little and they take an interest in what you have to say or what you want to do, and that's where you take it. Out. But yeah, yeah, but. Big part of it. Well, so here's here's another one, and I, I think this is an important piece. Anytime you're talking about onboarding, I think sometimes this is easy to overlook. Is when you get into onboarding, it's really it's it's very much a process. Onboarding is very much a process type piece, and I'm always amazed. In my experience, I've led onboarding for I don't know how many companies, and one of the things that has always you know, been something that you have to focus on first is sometimes people want to jump to solution, right? They're jumping to solution, like, let's do this. And what if we did this? And what? If... And there's not always this grounding of what is the process? Do we know what the process looks like? And have we actually taken the time to lay this out and think about what is it today and what to be today? new ideas to be able to do that so let's let's talk a little bit there on that because is that part i mean so when, well, you, when I mean, you partner with an organization let me ask let me reframe it this way if if you're working with somebody on this and they're saying you know what we, we really need to do more with onboarding we got to figure this out not everybody's going to say i have these nice six pathways and i know week one we do this no. and week two we do this Absolutely. and things like that so how do you help organizations get through that because for some folks that would be like i don't i just don't even know where to start you want to go well, with this one i'll back? tell you what yeah this was actually one of the visions i had when i saw this portal so at comcast i'll be honest with you it's like you know what ready aim fire whatever it is out of order is what we do over ready there. fire aim and that ready fire aim and, you know, every, do you have the processes? Are they documented? And we stopped asking that question because we kind of knew the answer. But in some cases, like there's a sales methodology you could teach to explain the products. But when it came to like order management or something, what we found out is instead of trying to build the process into the portal and teach them on it, which a lot of times by the time we rolled it out, it was obsolete. Our trainers didn't yep. know much about it. We might build a, an activity that says, you know, you get a SME assigned to you, you sit next to him and have him show you the process to create an order, cancel an order, and upgrade an order. 
And then you don't have to put all the steps in there. You rely on a SME to do it. Now the people can argue, well, how about he's not doing it right? How about he, you know, how about the SME doesn't know how to do it? Well, guess what? If you train it right and he sits next to that SME, they're going to learn the wrong way anyways. But what we, we would use a portal just to help document that that was happening. And we had experts teaching, kind of like an apprentice program for any craft or trade. But we could track that it was all that was happening. And we didn't have to get down to that minuscule detail of, I need a 20-page document to tell us how to put an order through. Let them show it to her. So it was kind of neat how we could use the portal to get into the nitty-gritty without actually being responsible for process being updated every day. Well, and you know what's funny about that is it's it's an important piece. So when I was talking process, I was thinking the bigger onboarding process, but now you're going oh, in a little bit. No, no, no. It's fine because I think what you brought up is a really good point on this, which is I've, I've run into this in my years doing this where you do run into these things where you're like, how are we going to do this? Because if we create... If we create the step one, step two, step three, step two, do do it. Like you said, it's obsolete before we even before we even launch. We roll the thing yeah. out and people go, nope, not right. And now you're in constant catch-up mode trying to do it. And so then sometimes on the other end, we'll just be like, ah, you know, whatever, let's just throw it over the fence and we'll hope that they get to it. And there's this middle ground in between, which is let's let, we know this is something that needs to happen. We may not know exactly how it's going to happen because it's constantly changing. But let's at least say we know at this point in the onboarding process, you should intentionally be doing this with somebody. And we're going we're gonna to empower them to figure that out. We're not going to get into all the weeds. We're going to do as much as we can, but just to make sure it's happening. But let's at least make sure it happens. Let's do something yeah. to make sure that it happens. Agreed. I mean, people say, oh, yeah, we, we do side-by-sides now. And we used to say, well, just think if we did structured side-by-sides that had some kind of framework, maybe not of the details, but you made sure they covered A, B, C, and D, and it was signed off. And you, you knew this person that went through, got these 20 or 30 things explained to them over the course of a few weeks, as opposed to hopefully the guy remembers what 20 things to show the new hire. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting, so Krishnan brought up a, a question about this, or how about a playbook for the onboarding process? And really in looking what you were showing, it this is almost in some regards a, a digital interactive playbook, because I think that's one of the limitations. And a lot of times, I remember early in my days with onboarding, that's what we did. We came up with a playbook that maybe had links to things, and it was a document that had this stuff, but it was very one directional. You just sent it to people and you're like, I hope <laughs> they read it. I hope they follow it. I hope they went through the steps. We put a lot of time and effort into this and it didn't take long before you'd ask a new hire, you know, Hey, did you, did you, did you do this? Well, I tried, but my manager didn't do it and, and things like, and we had no data on it. None whatsoever. We had no data to know what happened and where things are at. And we couldn't really interact. We totally had to let go. And so to some regard, I see this as being that, digital playbook version that then is a way that you can say, hey, we're, we're, we're making sure this is happening in a digital platform and actually making it collaborative. And I think, I think the point about Christian's point is, is a really good one, is, is providing also a playbook to the communities who are going to look after onboarding their people. So I know okay. Dave had a real vision around giving uh, autonomy to, to the communities that owned the onboarding process. So if it's the care team, the sales team, the engineering team, whatever it is, but give them a playbook that takes them through some of the things around learn, practice, demonstrate, you know, how do you build that in and, and, and think about how you sequence the onboarding process and how do you do kind of skill breakdowns? How do you do, as Dave said, structure 
observations for feedback and those kinds of things. I think that's a great point, you know, and we certainly do a lot of work with teams to help them think through those component parts that are really important in delivering it. And then, and yeah, as you say, you reflect that back in what gets built out. But the key thing also is, is about engaging with those stakeholders who own it, you know? So, so what should this look like for you? You know, how does this work? Yeah. How often have we built an onboarding process in a vacuum? Yeah. This is the best onboarding process. They are going to love it. And then you send it out and they're like, yeah, no, this is not at all how we do work. So I think that collaboration piece, not just in the rollout piece, but Mm. in the actual design and architects, like, don't don't create an onboarding process that you think looks great or is going to win you a Brandon Hall award. Like build one that the business cares about. Absolutely. Well, it's funny. We've we've actually gone 100% or 180 degrees the opposite. We had an order management team that had like 12 different roles, 30, 40 people per role. Maybe maybe onboard six or seven people a year. And they're like, "We need an onboarding program." We're like, "We got 25,000 people coming in. You get seven <laughs> people. Like, we're going to build your program." So what we did is we created a generic template in the portal. We gave them basic training on how to build it. They built their own activities out. We said, okay, put a video, welcome to the job. Give them a quiz. Give, we had like 12 steps. They built it out themselves and they managed okay. it themselves. So you basically I mean, created a, a high-level template and said, listen, and what's interesting about this is, man, I told you we were going to run out of time. <laughs> um, this is – this is such an important, what you're talking about right here, this is bigger than just onboarding because I think so often a lot of times there's opportunity for us to do this in terms of collaboration and we can let go of the keys a little bit and we can say, hey, we, we've created some infrastructure, some basic things to make sure you're getting the basics, but we're really going to empower you to say, you you build this, you make it your own. We're controlling the tech and some of the basics to make sure that you get the the foundations. But rather than try and bottleneck everything through us, let's let you do it. Because to your point, David, there's they know seven people than we a year. You yeah. know it better than we do. And there's seven people. So for us to take the time to send people in and, and consult and try and do all this and then come back and build it and then we still get it wrong and they need to edit it, just let them do it. But let's at least do that. And so – that's yeah, it's an funny. important piece. We probably we probably have a hundred like portals, if you want to call it, like learning plans, some for you know launching products. And it gets to the point now where the business would come to us instead of said we need training, they'd say, Hey, um, I'm looking for a portal about 20. They would tell us we want a portal because okay. they got to the point where they actually saw it, they saw it work, they understood it. And like I said, okay. we I think we have like 120 portals between okay. product launches, new hire, progression training. And they're all kind of combined together. You just click on it and you go into it. It's, it's kind of interesting. Okay. Well, I've got about 3,700 more questions that I would dive into, or we just topics we could kind of unpack if we wanted to, but we're, we're out of time. So um, I'm just going to say, you know, I think one of the biggest things that is just a, a fantastic takeaway with this is one, you know, the intentionality behind it, the collaboration that goes into it. Um, And I think, you know, both of you would agree that it's like the tech is there to enable these things, but there's some work you have to do in terms of figuring out your process, figuring out your collaboration, how you do this. But what what Onboard is really designed to do is say, hey, let's use technologies to accelerate this. So rather than sending out a PDF that goes into the ether that you have no idea, have it be done here where they can collaborate, where they can interact and where you can start to see and manage and measure that to be able to do it along the way. 
Okay. Totally agree. Well, this has been fantastic. Maybe next time we'll do another round of karaoke, um, you know, and then, then we'll all sing and we'll close it out with that or something like that. But you're bringing thank the, you for the next time. time. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's right. We'll do it later in the evening or something. Guy, um, yeah. guy leave, leave us with some Stevie Wonder guy, will you? Yeah. <laughs> Very right. superstitious. Well, there you go. Well, thanks everybody for watching. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Friday and a great weekend. Thanks Guy and David for joining me and uh, we will see you next week. Thank you, Chris. Thanks a lot, Chris.